It's good. It sucked. It's meh. Everyone has an opinion, but only I have the balls to tell you the truth as I see it. You want to know how good a movie really is? Well, sit back, kick your feet up, because you're about to witness a common man's review. Let's get this mother started out right as another past and present movie review episode begins now. You know what's crazy about this song is I don't even think about Beverly Hills Cop anymore when I hear this. I think about Peter Griffin or Family Guy dancing to this. I don't know why, but this song has basically taken me there. What's up? It's your boy Enigma back with another past and present episode. And today we're going to talk about Beverly Hills Cop. Now, it was released in 1984, stars obviously Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinhold, and John Ashton. Now, the synopsis reads, a free-willing Detroit cop pursuing a murder investigation finds himself dealing with the very different culture of Beverly Hills. I guess simple, I guess. Um, The crazy thing about this movie is this was the first movie I believe I saw Eddie Murphy in. I know 48 Hours came out before that, but this was the movie that I first saw Eddie Murphy, at least in my youth. Um, You know, the the 80s, Eddie Murphy was a different type of star. You know, I know he came from Saturday Night Live. He did all that type of stuff, Um, of course, but that was way before my time. But unlike now where we have imdb the internet and all types of information eddie was able to take his snl fame and actually apply himself in feature films which is hard to do in today's realm because if you look at the guys who are on snl now i mean a lot of them they're not really film worthy put it like that maybe one or two people on the show but not really much so what eddie murphy did in the 80s He basically blew up. He had a lot of good movies that came out. Like I said, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, Trading Places, The Golden Child. I like that one. And, you know, he just became a star. And this was just kind of, I won't say peak Eddie. I think he was on his way up still after making this movie because, of course, there were sequels, another 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop 2 and 3. So the man blew up. He went from SNL person doing a lot of those things. And the funny thing, like I said, the SNL time that he was on there is before my time. But I have watched some of it after, obviously. And the man was just a genius. He's one of the funniest human beings alive. And for him to be put in a role like this is very interesting. So let's go ahead and talk about the past. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Because the movie came out in 1984, I was only, that would make me, what, six years old? Okay, so I'm not going to have a lot to talk about when it comes to the past of things, but we'll talk about it a little more when we get to the present. But for right now, let's jump into the past. Okay, so like I said, I was only six years old when this came out, so... I don't think I probably saw this movie to maybe eight or nine. I don't recall. I'm sure it was a VHS moment uh, back in the days. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I can't give you the circumstances on when I first saw this. 
I don't remember much about how I felt about the film, but the one thing that for some reason stood in my head was the end of the film where uh, Victor Maitland is holding Jenny hostage and Axel has his gun aimed at him. You know, I don't know why that vision just stuck in my head. You know, maybe because I was still young and that was probably something you shouldn't have been watching. A little uh, tense action. I mean, you know, obviously now it's... I've grown so numb to things that somebody can blow up on screen and it just wouldn't phase me. But, you know, back in those days, you were still kind of impressionable. And for some reason, that scene stuck in my head. You know, so this was probably one of my earlier R-rated films I've ever watched. So the scene could have disturbed me a bit. I don't know why, but it just stuck in my head. I do remember liking Eddie Murphy, though. I hadn't seen SNL at the time, like I said, probably on past my bedtime back in those days. But I like seeing Black Cop on the film, you know, which showed representation. And, you know, representation is important. Before that, you really didn't get to see a lot. And I'm, you know, I'm not talking about the black exploitation times and all that. Remember, all this is before me. I'm around six or eight, nine, whatever it was when I first watched this film. So there wasn't a lot of certain things that I watched that had a lot of black folks in it because, you know, representation isn't what it was then as it is now. Like I said, I hadn't discovered black exploitation at the time. So seeing Eddie Murphy on the screen as the only black person in the film outside of the cop, the other black cop and hilarious Damon Wayans cameo, which was nice to see. Obviously, I didn't know who Damon Wayans was at the time. I don't think anybody did. But if it's one of those cameos that if you blink, you'll miss it. It's funny as hell. But since I can't tell you exactly what I thought about the film when I first saw it, I can give you my favorite scene when I was a little bit older and finally was able to, you know, kind of enjoy the movie for what it was. And that was, of course, the hilarious banana in the tailpipe routine. I mean, really, Eddie Murphy talking to the black cop in his white voice saying he had some bass in his voice was hilarious. I had a banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> You know, and it just showed the comedic genius of Eddie Murphy and just how he flowed with that whole thing, talking back and forth with the cops and the whole process of the scene. You know, it, it was just genius. It was just Eddie Murphy. I don't know how much he had lived in this and how much he was actually going by the script, but I know you can tell they brought some of Eddie Murphy's talents out of the screen when he's talking to that guy going, yeah, the banana and the tailpipe, you know, that's a Eddie Murphy thing. That wasn't nothing they wrote for him. They, that was just him just being comedic. I wouldn't be surprised if he had lived the entire scene, but you know, it was just a funny scene there. And it was one of the scenes earlier when I was younger that I greatly enjoyed. And you know, that's really all that I had to say about the past. Again, I was real young, so it was kind of hard for me to really say how I felt about a film when I was only around six when it came out and probably saw it when I was around eight or nine. But since I just recently watched it, let's talk about what I think about it now. Present. The chemistry is what makes this movie fun. Eddie Murphy kills it as Axel Foley, which is why they're rumored to make another one of these, even though they're all all the characters are old as hell. His relationship with Taggart and Rosewood is what made the movie flow as a comfortable outside of the law Foley and by the book Rosewood and Taggart is just enough contrast to make the movie fun. So you have the buddy cop movies and this is an earlier example of that. And again, I know buddy cops probably been around since the sixties, the 
40s, 50s, I don't know. But these were like the earlier ones where people started to really pay attention, where it really started to be a big thing, you know, even before Lethal Weapon and all that. And the whole, you know, you have to have that contrast to make it really work, and that chemistry makes it really work. It's what made Lethal Weapon work, and it's what made this one work as well. Um, the movie grabs you from the beginning with the cigarette chase scene and sets the tone, which is what a lot of movies don't do nowadays. You know, you really need that scene to just come in there. You're trying to figure out who is this guy. Now, you know, it's Beverly Hills cop. And even when you saw it for the first time, I'm sure the advertisement showed that Eddie Murphy was a cop. So you already knew what was going on at the beginning, but it was just a nice little action scene to get the juices flowing. So that's what they're supposed to do. So, of course, Eddie Murphy is working on a case. Now, let's talk about this case, because as good as this movie is, the villain made too many mistakes. And again, this was made in the 80s. So, you know, realistic wasn't in their repertoire back in the days. But I did point out, had to point out a couple things here. So, for one, they left Axel alive after killing his friend. Okay, so remember, the whole story starts because... Uh, Victor Maitland sends uh, an old, well, not old, a young Mike Armentrout, <laughs> which is a nice uh, blast there. They send a young Mike Armentrout out there to kill his friend, but they left Axel alive. So, you know, you really don't do that, at least as far as a villain is concerned. You got to take care of all the witnesses. I mean, you can't leave anybody alive, and that was their biggest mistake, really. Uh, two when they finally get Axel and Jenny at the warehouse, they don't immediately kill them, opting to take Jenny with them and leave Axel to be tortured for some reason. I mean, what was the point of that? I mean, you caught both of them. He tells them to put Jenny in the car and he leaves the other guys to take care of Axel who are just sitting there punching the dude, beating the dude. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why? Why are you leaving this man alive? There is no reason to leave him alive at this point. Just kill him, okay? Just stupid. And then number three, which is probably the biggest <laughs> mistake they made, attacking the police at the end of the movie, okay? Even if the police caught Maitland, he could say he was attacked by Axel and uh, Rosewood and Taggart, okay? You know, they raided his home without a search warrant. They raided his warehouse without a search warrant. And the only really charge he would have probably faced would be kidnapping Jenny. And even then, a good lawyer could have gotten around that. So my point is that whole shootout at the end was dumb. Victor Maitland seemed to have a lot of influence and could have easily have beaten the case had he just not attacked the cops. But for some reason, that after they get on the premise he's decides to open fire at the cops and now you're just throwing all that out the window and then of course at the end you put a gun towards jenny's head trying to kill axel i mean bruh this whole thing could have been easily resolved all the evidence would have been thrown out because you know they basically illegal search and seizure come on dude victor maitland should have been um a little smarter than that uh what else I'm going to overlook the gun scenes that have way too many bullets because this was the 80s. That's what they did in the 80s. They just shot the guns about 20 to 30 times and the bullets never ran out. It is what it is. 
Um, one thing that did bother me is how does Taggart and Rosewood not know about coffee beans and drugs? I mean, I'm not a cop and I know that. And obviously their boss knew that. But they, for some reason, were just dumbfounded. Maybe they were just young detectives. And even if they were young detectives, you think you would have known a couple things. For them to be, I guess it's Beverly Hills, so they don't deal with too many drugs. But still, I mean, come on now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just a little odd to me. A young Mike Armentrout. I kind of mentioned that earlier. And it was fun to see the boss before the final boss scene. You know, so basically, if you don't know about that trope, there's always the head guy and there's always the guy below him. And any movie, especially in the 80s and 90s, you basically had to move up in the fight. So you'd have to battle the underboss, so to speak, and then battle the boss at the end. And basically, they didn't change with that. Axel Foley had to fight young Mike Armentrout first. And then after he killed him, now he has to fight Victor Maitland at the end, which, of course, you know, that was just the 80s and 90s. It's just funny. If you watch movies back in those days, just just pay attention to it. There's always two bad guys. There's going to be the underboss, the guy who normally does the dirt, takes care of a lot of things. And then there's going to be the main guy. And the antagonist cannot move. Well, I'm sorry. The protagonist cannot move forward without fighting the underboss first and then the main antagonist. So that was just, you know, film one on one back in those days. Now, let's talk about my favorite part of the movie right now, just watching it recently. And it's just so how easily Eddie Murphy lies in the movie. Well, Axel Foley, I guess I should say. He does it so fluently that it's hilarious. Like when Taggart meets up with them at Maitland's house and he asks Rosewood what they were doing there. And Axel Rose just pops out. I stole his gun and forced him to bring me here. And then the lie about the attempted bar theft um, Eddie was just gold in this role again I don't know how much of that was script but he just looks like he just lies so fluently <laughs> as a character and it's one of those things that it was just it was just great I enjoyed it I thought that he just brings this certain energy especially now that I'm an Eddie Murphy fan watching all of his other movies in the past and some of his SNL skits and all that type of stuff he really was able to flow with that. And I don't know why those lies just seem so fluent to me. It was just, you know, while he's working the lock and he just makes up that lie. <laughs> he's just he's just so cool with it. I don't know. That was just me. But it was just funny to see that. Uh, obviously, this movie stood the test of time. And it's just still as funny as it is, you know, was then. It's still as fun and funny as it is now. There isn't much PC stuff that folks could complain about today. So I would go ahead and give it my seal of approval and say it definitely stands the test of time. Now, what I would like to see instead of them doing a Beverly Hills cop four, because three was kind of eh, the first two were gold. The third one was, eh, I would like to see a prequel where Jenny, Mikey and Axel were young and running the streets with each other. Cause remember they all came from the same neighborhood and instead of trying to add on to the legacy, why not go back and revisit those times to see them before Beverly Hills Cop to see them? And I don't want the whole CW version of this. I want something gritty and raw. And you really want to see, you know, how Mikey stayed with the uh, stuff that gets him locked up and how Jenny and Axel's relationship was. I want to see that. It will make a better movie than what they're going to do for the fourth part of the movie because I think the third part of the movie the third movie it wasn't as good as because they dropped Taggart from the film and now 
and the man is 75 years old and I still see that he's going to be a part of that. I mean, how much can Taggart do at 75? I, I'm Keep in mind, I am not a fan of Indiana Jones being that old doing what he does, so just imagine how I feel about Taggart being in Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, he's retired at this point. Are they just going to kind of have a cameo uh, for him or something like that? But I thought they lost that whole chemistry with Taggart and Rosewood in the third one. And, you know, I don't know. I just really think that they should focus on a prequel instead of trying to add on to it. You know, Eddie Murphy's getting up there in age as well. Judge Reinhold, I don't know how old he is, but I'm sure he's up there. It's going to be kind of difficult to actually appreciate a Beverly Hills Cop 4. So, what are your thoughts? Do you want to see a Beverly Hills Cop 4? Do you want to see a prequel like I suggested? As always, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. And if you want to check out any of my work, you can hit me up at www.enigmakid.com. That's www.enigmakid.com. It's your boy Enigma signing off. Deuces.